To Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Our guest today has experienced the ups and downs of life, from flying with VIPs and celebrities to living on the streets, being a drug addict. Joining us today to tell her story is Anna, who lives in Switzerland. She doesn't want her real name used, so we'll respect that and call her Anna. Anna, thanks very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Hi, Corey. Hi, Ian. Thank you. I um, feel privileged to be on your show. Thank you. Anna, tell us the early part of your life when you were flying around with the celebrities, the kings and queens. It was interesting. Um, It was very hectic. Uh, Just to uh, go back a little bit further, I... um, Uh, I was born in Switzerland, and then my family, when I was around four years of age, I'm the eldest of three daughters, we moved to southern London, and um, I did all my schooling, education, etc. in England, and um, came back to Switzerland at the age of about 21 years of age. I studied um, business and finance with tourism, and I've been working in tourism now actually all my life. I always worked, even when I was very ill. Through my sister, who was already working with a company in Geneva, I got the job. Basically, it's like taxi flights um, with private clients, um, not knowing from one day to the next where you'll be, uh, who you'll have. Uh, sometimes we'd be on the go for two to three weeks. And we always, always had um, a turnus of working 10 days full on and four days off. And um, it was very interesting. I saw a lot. I met some really interesting people. I won't go into names, <laughs> but um, yeah, one of uh, well, actually, the last one of the last flights I I had was an unconfirmed flight. We we flew to Tunisia, and uh, they didn't tell me actually why and who and who the client was, and it ended up as we were arriving into Tunis Airport that we were flying um, off with PLO to uh, Baghdad. This was 1991, and at the beginning of the Iraqi-Kuwaiti invasion, and all the Arabians were coming together for a big conference, and we flew in with the with PLO. So you you can understand the situation in the country at that time. You could really nearly cut the the air. I mean, it was it was like at the brink of of war, and uh, they took our passports off us, and we got stuck there for about, yeah, it was five days. On the sixth day, we, we could actually leave. And about a week and a half later, the invasion of Kuwait started. In, in that situation, and being a, a guide, a tour guide, I'm quite used to these kind of situations, but somehow it really got into my head. And um, I came back to Switzerland and found that I can't, I can't fly anymore. I, I felt, um, I felt angry. I felt anxious. Um, 
uh, and uh, at the end of the day, I had to tell the company, you know, I, I can't handle this anymore. So uh, I left the company. And what did you do after that, Anna? Well, the problem was um, the psychological effects. It didn't help that I had, um, um, I was sexually abused also in that time, which didn't help. <laughs> and um, at the end of the day, I took all my stuff and moved in again with my mum, who was living in Zurich at the time. She couldn't actually handle it either because she couldn't understand why a person who was so outgoing, who had conquered every hindrance um, in her past life, was now sitting at home, not wanting even to go outside the house, crying. Um, she couldn't handle it. And um, at the end of the day, I couldn't handle it either. And I don't know, I didn't have a death wish as such, but I ended up at the time in Zurich... Um, uh, some of people might know about this. We had the, the, the Needle Park where people from all around Switzerland, from all over the world were coming um, to uh, consume drugs. And they closed that. It was just behind the main station in Zurich. And the whole lot ended up a few kilometers downstream. And the situation was really terrible. But I didn't actually see all the the horror and what people were going through. I was more curious. Uh, people were sitting around. People had time to talk. Of course, they were not actually friends. And I remember thinking, I just want to try this. You know, I just want to forget everything. I just want to try it. And I, I think actually the first time I didn't even do it myself. Someone did it for me. And I was adamant that, you know, I, I don't have an addic addictive personality. Um, I'm quite outgoing. Everybody's saying you don't belong here. What the hell are you doing here? But it took me in. And uh, during three months, I was really, I was living on the streets, basically. Um with all the um, the police stuff, all the uh, the problems, I mean, it was it was pretty pretty difficult. And um, thinking about it now, it was pretty um, ironic that that um, I even wanted to be in prison for a weekend because on Sundays you always get fried chicken in the uh, in the prison, you know. So um, what actually saved me um, was that I contracted HIC, hepatitis. hepatitis. Mm -hmm. A, I already had uh, from traveling, and then B and C, and B became chronic. And before I knew it, I was really, I was really very sick. I went down to 30 kilos. Um, I'm quite a tall person, um, quite athletic. I always um, enjoyed sports. In my earlier years. 30 kilos uh, is strictly skin and bone, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was puking water, basically. You know, nothing could stay. And um, they um, they put me on a, at that time, it was interferon and ribavirine, which is um, the same medication that some HIV people get, uh, which totally suppress, suppresses the immune system and uh, then attacks the, the virus. It's actually uh, a form of uh, chemotherapy, isn't it, Anna? I didn't actually know at the time 
And if I knew what I know now, <laughs> I don't think I would have done it because it really nearly killed me. I had to go through it for uh, 12 months because I had a genotype, which was very complicated. You know, at that time, yeah, it was just a very difficult time. But I got through it. And um, with the Swiss authorities at that time, they were really because of this needle park and everything, they were seeing that basically the war on drugs wasn't working. You know, all the uh, all the, the policing and everything wasn't working. And they then started um, handing out needles, clean needles, um, opening up centers where people uh, could consume their board stuff safely. Then they had substitute programs, methadone, um, heroin, etc., etc. I was in a couple of these um, programs, but because it was all very new, they were always uh, wanting to keep people. You know, I, I just wanted to get out there as quickly as possible. I didn't want to have one dependency um, taken over by another. Uh, chemically or whatever I just so um, you know I I, I did the substitution programs uh, psychiatrical help etc etc host, hospitals um, wind, my, wind myself off it and started putting on weight again getting healthy again and then I could um, when, when it was getting better again I applied for jobs again as I had done all my life you know and the stigma was difficult. Um, I worked actually for the Swiss National Railways. Um, I got a job and I didn't actually believe that they were going to employ me. I was very honest. I had to complete a, um, a report saying what my previous medical problems were. And it still took me on. So um, that was great. And I started working. It was very interesting. I enjoyed it. Until uh, one day I was working at one station. Um, at that time, we had to load bicycles into the trains within five or ten minutes, uh, like school classes who were going on a day trip. And there's two of us and um, it was about 20 bikes and about by the tenth bike uh, with a turning movement and pushing the bike up into the to my colleague I had a mul multiple um, discus hernia in my back. And because of my past situation, I was adamant that I wanted to keep the job. And I went through every conservative type of therapy that you could, you could take. Uh, physiotherapy, um, alternative ther therapies with um, Chinese therapy, um, walking, you know, everything that I could do to help, but nothing helped and it got worse and worse, you know. And I was, we were sitting at the main station in Zurich, you have to go through, or at the airport, you have to go through uh, at least four hours when you don't move. You are sitting, um, selling tickets, train tickets, travel agents work, um, so you were sitting a lot of the time and working against your body, basically, with the computer and the till and not being able to drink as well. Uh, my situation became worse and worse and worse. At the end of the day, after a lot of medicines, I was on strong opioids and morphine at the end. They actually put me into the um, emery and they, they, then they saw 
situation. I was already limping. My um, my foot nerves weren't working anymore. I fell down the main in the main station. I fell down about ten flights of stairs because my foot got caught, and I didn't actually have a lot of um, acceptance or help at my workplace. Uh, it ended up into mobbing. I had to say about the, the hepatitis. People started um, putting names on their cups and on their glasses because they oh. thought, I could, you know, I could uh, infect them. And I was very open. I said, you know, if anybody, anybody wants to know about it, come and ask me. I can, I can tell you about it, you know. But it was all very, uh, you know, they thought I was, um, I was trying to uh, get out of doing work and, and doing, doing a Blue Monday or a Blue Friday and this kind of stuff. And uh, at the end of the day, to cut a, a, sh- a long story short, uh, I was operated on my back uh, uh, three times. The last time, the back had to be stiffened because there was no cartilage matter uh, in my lumbar uh, vertebrae anymore. And um, at the same time, when I was going through those um, things, they found out that my my hip was also dislocated, uh, most probably from the age of birth, which was also adding to all the pain. So not only did I have all these operations, I was off for maybe six weeks, eight weeks, back to work. Then I'd have the problem again that the the discus hernia would then push again back into hospital, another operation. And the third time when it happened, they actually, the the company put me at a station where I was working by myself. So I had to, um, you know, we we have baggage as well that we have to put through the trains and all this kind of stuff, Um, heavy brochures from from the travel agent. You know, I I was doing work that I shouldn't actually have done. At the end of the day, the, the the Swiss National Railway came to me and said, "You know, we can't handle this anymore. You've been you've been ill so long." During that time, I also started the hepatitis virus um, course, and they just said, "You know, we can't employ you anymore." And um, I was actually legally protected through the Swiss. Um, uh, railway company in that they paid my uh, salary for two years through the insurance. But when it came down to um, putting me up for an invalid pension, I actually didn't want one because I actually wanted to keep working, you know. They put me up for it anyway, and I tried to reintegrate doing different courses with other companies. But I had to, I had to say, you know, I can't handle it. I was still in so much pain, physical and, and, and mental pain, that I just couldn't, I couldn't handle the workplace, you know. When I look at this list of things that you were coping with, so you come through an addiction to heroin and cocaine, then uh-huh. you get hep C. You get mm-hmm. you get on the trains and you're suffering from depression, spinal mm-hmm. fusion, chronic pain, mm-hmm. neuropathic pain, restless yeah. legs, muscle tremors, mm-hmm. weak foot, torn tendons in your foot, migraines, insomnia, stomach and digestive issues. I mean, that's yeah. overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was just my life, you know. I mean, you kind of, <laughs> you kind of. <laughs> Sometimes you despair. Sometimes you have um, more lighter moments where you think, you know, things. You, you you always hope that things get better. And I'm quite an optimistic kind of person, personality. Uh, I'm quite outgoing. Um, I love people. I like talking to people. I don't have any um, 
Berührungsängste, you would say in Swiss. I can't think of the German word, the English word. Anxiety. Yeah, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't discriminate, especially because I saw what kind of people were actually um, also engaging in taking drugs. I mean, Switzerland has, you know, has a population of 8 million and there are over 500,000 people uh, actively consuming cannabis and all the other drugs the amphetamines and everything we have um tests that they do in the in the in the water um where they can test from the the, the wc's how much is being consumed and uh, zurich is 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 a hot spot you know and it's not just only people of um say people that haven't had good schooling or haven't had good chances in life. I mean, there's a lot of uh, bankers and CEOs and, um, but of course that's a different story if you have money, you know? That's right. And how did you discover cannabis? How did you come on that? My, um, a good friend of mine who had been working also, uh, at the railways and, and left her brother had pancreatic cancer and died at the age of 41 which really shocked me i i saw how he deteriorated and what the doctors were doing with the chemo i mean he was it was terrible to watch and it got me thinking you know it really got me thinking and i started researching actually for her in her name and because it just interested me i mean i've always been interested in biology um, I actually wanted to, to study biology, but had problems with physics and chemistry mm-hmm. at school, and that's why I didn't do it. I, I did um, I did German, uh, art, uh, and English for um, English. What do you call it? A levels, you know. But anyway, so I started researching, and I very quickly found Rick Simpson's uh, film Run from the Cure. And through that, got in touch with uh, Jindrich Bayer, um, a guy from, uh, he's from Czech? Czech Republic. Czech Czech Republic, yes. And then we we started chatting and he asked me if I would be interested in um, translating one of his books into German. And um, I thought, well, okay, I'm at home anyway, and I have my pension, I have my family, I have my husband, I'm not working, but I'm still fairly active as far as my my body allows and so I started translating it and of course um, got to know more and more about cannabis how to make the different preparations all the testimonials from different people etc etc and I got fixed <laughs> I mean not fixed in the sense that I got addictive but I was so uh, you know, drawn into all this information and um, that I'd never heard of before, you know? Yeah, it, so really, it really is amazing, isn't it? I think uh, yeah. I'm kind of the same way. Corey got me drawn into this. Uh-huh. And uh, I was one of those individuals who knew nothing about uh, cannabis, marijuana. I always thought that uh, if you smoked, you were a pothead and just wanted to get drugged uh-huh. up. And uh-huh. had absolutely no idea that this could be used as medicine. And when you start to take it as mm-hmm. medicine, uh, it does remarkable things to the human body. Mm-hmm. And you you experienced that yourself. Corey, as, as you know, cleared herself yeah. of anal canal cancer using it. She was supposed to be dead five years ago. Yeah. 
Uh, she, Hello, Greg. You're still here? I'm here. She's alive and kicking today. And we talked to, uh, you are the uh, 90th person we've talked to. Okay. And, uh, you know, nearly all of them have had remarkable health changes as a result of using cannabis. They, many of them were addicted to opiates. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I think I was, you know, I was addicted to the, the legal medicine because, uh, but on the other hand, it didn't help. You know, it, it, I went through so many different medicines, anti, anti everything, and um, morphine, the whole uh, Vioxx, Tilur, all these kind of stuff. And, you know, I was getting, it helped basically with the pain, but I had so many, um, what do you call it? Side effects? Side effects, yeah. How, uh, how has the cannabis changed your health? Okay, um, I don't smoke. I smoke cigarettes, and I'm trying to stop smoking cigarettes. So, but my husband is a smoker, and he's, he's not uh, a cannabis smoker. He is very skeptical, um, also has a heart problem, so he's very weary. But it has helped me in that through families that live in Seattle, I, imp- I started importing um, cannabis but- butter, you call it? Yes. B-U-D-D-E-R, which is um, coconut-infused cannabis, mm-hmm. uh, cannabis-infused coconut oil. And uh, at the beginning, you know, I was always very cautious because of the illegality, etc. Is the stuff going to actually arrive? How is it going to arrive? Um, and although that my family members uh, try their best to pack the stuff up, you know, sometimes it arrived here. Really, it was the cardboard box would be uh, soaked in, in 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 oil, you know, with a really strong smell, and the people at the post office would give me looks. Uh-huh. You know, what the hell is this first thing? But I managed to keep it going for about two two and a half years. And um, did it make a difference? It made a hell of a difference. I didn't believe it at first. I really didn't believe it. I um, um, I started making my... I don't really like the taste that much. It wasn't that nice a taste. So I, I mix it with chocolate one-to-one. And then it starts... I had to find out how much do I... Um, how much can I take for my condition? I only take um, my medibles in the evening. I find that... I can sleep better. I can fall asleep better. Before I was like tossing and turning for maybe two or three hours. I fall asleep straight away well, within, hour, within a half an hour. I take it two hours before going to bed and I can feel it coming on. It has reduced my pain to the point that I can still feel the pain, but the, the knife edge pain that I used to have is not here anymore. It makes me want to make me move, uh, be move, um, move myself again. You know, it doesn't stop me from moving myself. My whole digestive system has gone back to normal. I was, you know, <laughs> being on opiates, I think most people know what that's like. You know, it's, you just don't have normal bowel movements. I put on weight because of all the cortisone that I was taking. I was bloated. Um, I had strong migraines with puking, with aura. I think you call it in English, aura. Yes, right. that's correct. That's right. Yeah. yeah. What else? 
that's it, I think, mainly. Is, is that all? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's more, you know, but, uh, but that's the main things. And then I'm thinking, well, if this cannabis butter does this for me, what would I actually do if, if I, I made my own tinctures or, or oils? So I hope this is not going to be... Um, difficult for me because of the Swiss legal situation. A lot of people do it. I was in Mallorca last summer, a spring, and um, took home 10 seeds of an indica type. I think an Afghan kush or something. I, I don't really even know because I took the sticker off off the bag just in case that I would have, I would have problems going through customs, but I didn't. And, of course, I, I've never grown myself. I mean, it was I had no idea. So I just started, and the guy said, you know, you don't even have to put them in water first. Just put them in, in good soil and then water and see what happens, you know. And all ten plants came. <laughs> I had a I had a jungle on my terrace, um, which is quite secluded. But we have houses to our left uh, with neighbours. They couldn't actually see them, but of course they could smell them, you know. And <laughs> um, but they're pretty lenient about the situation. They know what I've gone through, and I, I just told them I'm making tinctures and oils and creams and salves and edibles and all this kind of stuff. And that's when it started. I, I grew my plants, I harvested them, and um, I still have. <laughs> I'm still doing that now. I'm trying to get rid of it. <laughs> uh, trying to. Um, it make my own medicine basically so that it doesn't um so i can still use it while it's quite fresh although and that's what i wanted to ask you about i've heard that when buds um get to the air they become cb cbn mm. i think that if i remember correctly and you know i am no expert on this yeah. let me be very clear about that but it's my understanding and I, I'm not sure if this is correct, that there's more CBN available just before the buds are ready. Okay. So before they're fully mature. Okay. But anyway, I'm learning uh, by doing. Um, I've, uh, you know, <laughs> there's so many people out there that um, with their recipes, et cetera, et cetera. But on the other hand, the whole... Um, the whole chemistry in, is of interest to me. I've been at a, um, f uh, a big conference at the University of Bern, uh, which was last November. I think it was the same week, Corey, that you were in Prague. Right. And met up with Bedrakan people, people from, um, from Holland. Um, I had no idea what's actually going on in the field. There's going to be a lot of change in the next few years, yeah. which, which I embrace, you know? You know, Anna, I'm going to be posting, if I remember to do so today, um, an article that tells you at what temperature each um, cannabinoid uh, decarboxylates at. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'll put that up mm -hmm. and uh, tag you in it so you can have a look. Okay. And the only thing that I haven't done is make the concentrated form. Basically, because I'm, I'm really worried about the... Um, the but blowing yourself up? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? There's, there's, so a, there's a few... I so have to laugh. There's a few ways around that. We can maybe do a Skype call later. Yeah. But, you know, um, you know I, I just think that it's my body. 
and um, it's my choice what I put in my body. And through the experiences that I've had to make, not all good, I know what's good for me and what's not good for me anymore. And I don't want to go down the... Um, the allopathic medicine anymore you know at the moment i have pains in my upper body and uh, my doctor says you know I'll, I'll after the age of 50 in switzerland you can have every five years you can have a mammography and i have been under ct and emery's etc etc so much radiation over the last 20 years it makes me sick just thinking about it and so i want to go and do a thermography yeah Know what that is? Yes, I do. Yeah. And see, you know, because they say that they can detect um, different problems up to seven years before that a, a mammography can do. So uh, I'm open. But, of course, it's not all about uh, just cannabis. I mean, I, I try to leave... Uh, live a healthy life I'm, I'm juicing i'm using local products i'm um as far as i can when i don't have any pains i i try to get out um i, I want to buy a trampoline i want to stop smoking cigarettes i want to get my my husband off smoking cigarettes but i find that when i use my um chocolate that i've made that i don't even have the desire to smoke not even cigarettes. No. So I think there's some kind of link here. Um, in Switzerland now, the, the last couple of months, uh, shops have been popping up all over Switzerland selling CBD products because they have now a niche. In Switzerland, you're not allowed to have cannabis products that have more than 1% THC content. So um, they have now got strains or, or have got holder strains that have very low uh, THC levels and making everything out of them. And um, But I suspect that there will be another kind of cut down or whatever it's it, it's tough at the moment people want it legalized but uh, it, it feels sometimes like you're hitting head against a brick wall, a brick wall you know yeah no absolutely and it was a pleasure to talk to you by the way your english is superb oh thank you i don't get a lot of chance to talk english anymore i'm afraid no, but uh, it is it is excellent Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. No, and you have a very interesting story. I think you're doing, uh, Corey, wouldn't you say she's doing all the right things? Taking yes. cannabis, juicing, exercising, making her own tinctures. Yeah. Saps. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, as I said to uh, Anna yesterday, I'm really quite in awe of her and her story. She's uh, been through so much and come out the other side in a very positive and successful manner. Yeah. Excellent. Thank you. It was Anna. Was wonderful to talk to you, and we'll keep in touch. Pleasure. We'll keep in touch. Absolutely. Thank you. And I just think if anybody um, from Switzerland or anybody's listening, maybe some people might know me, but you know, it's just my story. Um, there's thousands of people out there doing the same, having identical problems. It, it was my way. It was my way of doing things. And, you know, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm on my way. I'm on my journey. And uh, if I can help anybody out there, uh, I'll be happy to do so. Great. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And that's it. Another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. Wherever you are in the world, thanks very much for listening. 
You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.